chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, short-handed goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard, and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas, Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Oh boy, we've got controversy. We have big time controversy coming out of really a brilliant and fun, entertaining Game four of the Stanley Cup final. We're going to get to that in just a couple of minutes. We're going to talk about a reported Riley Smith contract extension, something to keep an eye on. Certainly uh, go through the numbers. Nothing agreed to, no pen to paper just yet, but reports out there that Riley Smith and the Vegas Golden Knights have verbally agreed to a contract extension. We'll get into all of that. Plus, we'll be Answering some of your mailbag questions, should the Golden Knights look in a different direction for the captaincy? That's going to be a topic that we get to today, I promise, because Chapman's not going to derail this show. He's not going to bring up ridiculous voting ballots. It's not going to happen. (laughs) Plus, we're going to get into one-timers a lot to get to over the course of the next two hours. But the most important pressing topic of the day comes on the heels of arguably the most entertaining game of the Stanley Cup Finals so far, at least since game number one. There was intrigue. There was a a little bit of uncertainty as to who would pull victory in that game. But ultimately, it's the Colorado Avalanche winning 3-2 in overtime to take a 3-1 series lead to Colorado with a chance to eliminate the Lightning tomorrow. However... What what was really interesting about that game was was how it ended, right? And for for all intents and purposes, when Nazem Kadri scored, nobody knew the puck was in. And yet that's not the controversy we're talking about. Like the fact that Wes McCauley, and this is something that I just didn't understand at the time. Because when the puck goes in, and there's that confusion, and it's not until Bo Byron's po- By- Byron is pointing to the puck in the back of the net that we get some indication that the puck actually went in. Uh, Wes McCauley skates up to the net, sees the puck in the net, and is looking at it as if he's perplexed at how it got there. Like, that in and of itself was very, very weird. How you missed the call was strange to me in and of itself. But no argument on the call. No argument from the Tampa Bay Lightning. They skate off the ice. It's a 3-1 series lead. And Colorado does what they intended to do in Tampa. They earn a split. They give themselves three opportunities to eliminate the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. And given Andre Vasilevsky, you're going to need that. Bounce back effort from Darcy Kemper. He was fantastic. Except for the Victor Hedman goal, which was a blunder, to say the least. Darcy Kemper, he hung in there, and he out-dueled Andre Vasilevsky. 
Not something you're going to hear often, but it happened. And yet, we get to the post-game interviews, we get to the post-game press conferences, we get to John Cooper of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I know Chris Chapman has the sound. I want to just play it because at this point in time, nobody, no one at all, thinks anything untoward happened on that goal. No one thinks that it was a bad goal. No one thinks that there was a blown call. Nobody at all is looking at that play as anything other than a great individual effort by Nazem Kadri. Go ahead and roll John Cooper. I thought we had a really strong first. We had the lead. Um, you know, I love this league. It's, uh, it's the greatest league in the world. The people that run it are amazing. Everything about it, it's, it's like a dream come true for me, especially being a Canadian kid growing up and everything that's gone on. And a lot of times when you're, uh, you know, I've been part of some heartbreaking losses and, and defeats to, to teams that that took us out and been with a group that just fights and fights and fights and they fought their way to to a third Stanley Cup final in a row. And in a cap era when when it's so damn hard and the r- rules are put against you because they you know the, the league wants parity. And I love that about the league. And that's what makes it tougher. And this, just watch this team and what they've gone through and the battling that's gone on. And, and we're all in this together, players, coaches, refs, everybody. But it just, it just this one's, this one's going to sting m- much more than others just because I think it was taken on, it was potential, I don't know. I, it's hard for me. This is going to be hard for me to speak. I'm going to have to speak. I'll speak with you tomorrow. You're going to see what I mean when you see the winning goal. And I, my heart breaks for the players because we probably still should be playing. So an emotional John Cooper uh, meanders through about a minute and a half trying to get to his point. And I promise you will get there. John Cooper's brilliant. I promise you will get there. He is absolutely brilliant. But John Cooper says... You'll see what I mean when you look at the winning goal. My heart breaks for the players because we should still be playing. Insinuating that there was something on that play that should have caused that goal to not be counted. And in fact, it's something that should have put the Tampa Bay Lightning on the power play in overtime. And and granted, I'm going to tell you right now, that would have been the only hope for Tampa to do something in overtime. They were skated out of the building. From about the the second period on, the Tampa Bay Lightning were so far and away the second best team in that game, it wasn't even funny. And so I, I give John Cooper a lot of credit in this situation, trying to cling to an us-against-the-world mentality for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, as, I especially applaud him. I do. I'm not being sarcastic. I applaud John Cooper for talking about parity and the salary cap for a team that last year was $11 million over it. 
And then when they won their back-to-back Stanley Cups, kind of rubbed everybody's nose in it. I love that from John Cooper because it's so ridiculous on its face that it might just end up doing what he intends it to do. But more on that later. So John Cooper says there's an issue with that that play. There's an issue with that goal. You'll see what I mean when you look at it. And so what did all of hockey Twitter do? They micromanaged and cross-examined all the video footage to figure out what the heck John Cooper was talking about. And as it turns out, when Nazem Kadri scores to make it 3-2 to two in overtime, a goal that literally nobody, not even all the referees on the ice, could see went in. There was too many men on the ice. Kadri gets on the ice... And I think in the moment, he is expecting that his man coming off the ice is Valeri Nachuskin. It doesn't end up happening. Nachuskin stays on. Nathan McKinnon gets to the bench, but it is late. It is an illegal change, 100%. When I first started looking at it, I didn't think it was. When you start to to, to piece all the different video pieces together, when you start to realize that it's about four and a half seconds that Kadri gets on the ice between that and when McKinnon gets off the ice, that is an awful long time in the National Hockey League. It's too many men. It's too many men. There's no way to get around it. Now, I did see the counter-arguments. Tampa had six or seven guys on the ice. That's true. They don't have the puck. By definition of the rule, that should not have been a goal. By definition of the rule, the Tampa Bay Lightning should have been awarded a power play. But see, here's the problem with that. Here's the issue with what would be required of NHL referees to do in that moment. They'd have to call a penalty. And I don't know if you noticed, but last night, third period, they didn't call any. Zero penalties called in the third period. Zero penalties called in overtime. In fact, in a game that was as charged emotionally as this one was, in a game in which both teams were playing right on the edge, for whatever reason, both teams just decided that they were going to play clean hockey from the middle of the second period on. Because 11 minutes into the second period, that was the last time a referee called a penalty. There were missed tripping calls. There were missed boarding calls. There were missed interference calls on both sides of the ledger. And I even tweeted out yesterday, just imagine any other sport in the world that just arbitrarily decides at, the, at, at a certain point of the game, yeah, we're done with calling penalties. All we're here to do is signal when there's a goal. But... Uh, Apparently, that's not a thing that happened either. So, to sit here and say that the refs in that situation are going to call a penalty that would not just erase a goal from the board, but then also put a team on the power play, no way. It's not going to happen. And the NHL released a statement saying that it's a judgment call and the referees on the ice did not see that as too many men. They did, and, and to be fair, it's a quick play. It's hard to judge which player Nazem Kadri is going on the ice for. And only as you look at it, you realize it's Nathan McKinnon. Now, Nathan McKinnon had nothing to do with the play. 
But it doesn't change the fact that Nazem Kadri got a four-second head start on the play. Should the goal have counted? No. Just like the goal Tampa scored last year in the Eastern Conference Final against the New York Islanders, where they had not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven players on the ice. You know, I don't seem to remember John Cooper talking about how that goal shouldn't have been allowed. See, the fact of the matter is, there will be bounces that go against you, and it sucks. There will be bounces that go for you, and it's okay. You love that. You relish it. Unfortunately for Tampa, they have had a string of luck that has been so good over the last two seasons that you just don't ever want to see it run out. And I think it feels like in this moment, the luck is running out for the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. It's a compounding issue in that the refs missed it. But even if they had seen it, do you think they'd call it? Like, that's the question that I'm left with here, and I want to get Chris Chapman's opinion on this, because in this moment, the only way, the only way that you would have been able to take that off the board is if you would have erased the goal and given Tampa a power play, and given what we've seen of NHL officiating, and make no mistake, I think the officials in the National Hockey League do a phenomenal job top to bottom. I really do. But it is a hockey issue that we stop calling penalties altogether in the third period because we don't want to quote have an impact on the game well just understand that when you don't call penalties it has an impact on the game one way or another it just does so i ask you chris chapman even if and i do believe in this moment the refs just missed it i believe that this is a human error that happens in a game that's incredibly fast that relies on humans to police it but if the refs saw it anyway do you think it gets called no no they they there, there's a lot to unpack on this particular play mm-hmm. um you know we could start with the fact that they did have six men on the ice kadri gets the puck while McKinnon is still on the ice and McKinnon is skating towards the bench. They missed that. Then, as you mentioned, they didn't see the puck go in the net. So the question I have is if they didn't see the too many men on the ice and they didn't see the puck go in the net, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> what What are they watching? Like... To, to We're not, not calling only, penalties, Chapman. Well, 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 then you should absolutely get the puck going in the net because mm-hmm. yeah. if you're not calling penalties and you, you you miss the puck going in the net, then there's really no purpose for you to even be out there. So I I, I think from that angle, I I don't think they would have called it. I I I have a very very difficult time, even if when the when the NHL talks to the refs after the game and they 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 do their little um you know debriefing. Mm-hmm. I don't think even if they said they that they saw it, I, I think the NHL wouldn't have wouldn't have a the NHL wouldn't have said yeah they saw it they just didn't call it mm. like that's never going to happen. Mm. But I I the idea that they didn't see it and it's a judgment call, I'm fine with that. I'm I'm fine yeah. with the with the league putting out a statement saying it's a judgment call because while the rule is what it is and by the written rule it's it's a mistake it's a penalty it should have been called the goal should not have counted. It happens every single 
game. It's I, I and which is why I think when they do call too many men on the ice, it's so blatant that they have no choice but to call it. Otherwise, I don't think they'd call that either. Like it's just so fast, and it takes too long for 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 not too long. It's a fast play, and it's it's very difficult even for us. Right, we're not out there skating. And when we're watching these games, sometimes it's, oh, isn't that too many men on the ice? We, we ask ourselves that over the course of the game. And we're not out there watching the game, skating with the, with the players. We're up above. The game's not as fast for us as it is for the refs. So, so I'm going to give them a break because mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with John Cooper that they, they did miss it. But I'm also going to give the refs a break in that they miss it every game. It's one yeah. of those things that's missed every Single game. Go to a Golden Knights game and just watch line changes. You're going to see multiple instances of too many men on the ice, and they don't get called. It's like traveling in the NBA. Hmm? It's there, but how often is it called? It's very rare. The the bigger issue here, and and I know you said you're going to get to it, but John Cooper's comments, they took a lot of heat away from the fact that that the Tampa Bay Lightning had their teeth kicked down their throat in that overtime last night. Yep. They yep. took away from the fact that two men, I know Sergachev was one of them, I think the other one may have been Stamkos, were beaten very badly by Nazem Kadri, who has one hand mm-hmm. on that play. Yep. It took the heat off the fact that Andre Vasilevsky gave up a soft goal. He should have saved that. It's not a goal he should have given up. Not at that moment for that guy to give up that goal at that moment. And he took so, a lot of pressure off the fact that his team is facing elimination down three games to one. Like, the media is not talking about that. The media is talking about this. And I think the worst part about it, I think it kind of took away from how good Darcy Kemper was last night. Darcy Kemper did exactly what I, what I said I didn't think he could do. Mm-hmm. And that was win a game for them. And the first period he played... Won the game for Colorado, not because they 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 scored a goal and and you know, but because he kept them in the game when they probably could have been down two or three goals going into the first intermission. Yeah, so you're you're absolutely right, and, and that's eventually where we're getting the 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 too many men on the ice happens every other play, every other line in the NHL. There is a, a certain degree of leniency that is allowed to players coming off the ice. There just is, you know, like you, you can go back and rewind the winning goal and you'll count seven Tampa Bay lightning players on the ice. They don't have the puck. Sure. But it's not like both teams aren't trying to get any type of tactical advantage that they can. Colorado Avalanche are doing it. The Tampa Bay lightning are doing it. You wouldn't be playing the game if you weren't trying to cheat the rules every so often. And when refs swallow the whistles, what do teams do? Good teams, they'll bend the rules even more. They'll cheat the rules even more. They'll see just how much they can get away with. You start pushing that leniency on a line change out as much as you can to gain a tactical advantage. The only difference is it worked for Colorado, it didn't work for Tampa. And it takes away the brilliance of Darcy Kemper in the moment. Now, Chad, and you talked about Darcy Kemper's first period. I want to talk about Darcy Kemper's role in Nazem Kadri's goal. 
Because if not for Darcy Kemper recognizing there's a line change, if not for him going out playing a puck up to Arturi Lekkanen, that play doesn't happen. Regardless of Nazem Kadri being on the ice before he's supposed to be, that play doesn't happen if it's not for Darcy Kemper coming up with a brilliant, brilliant puck-moving play. And then, and then, you have the whirlwind that we've experienced over the last 12 to 15 hours where everyone in the hockey world is arguing with one another about whether or not the goal should count. It's brilliant coaching from John Cooper. Absolutely brilliant stuff from John Cooper because what are the Tampa Bay Lightning on the cusp of doing? They are on the cusp of winning their third straight Stanley Cup, something that no team has done in quite a while in the NHL, let alone to be in three Cup finals in a row. That is special. That is something. But none of it means anything. None of it matters if Tampa doesn't win this series, right? Like, you can argue that the Tampa Bay Lightning are already a destiny or or a dynasty. You can argue that getting to three Stanley Cup finals in a row that's a dynasty in a salary cap era. John Cooper brought it up. But you have to win for it to work. You have to win this series in order for everything to go your way. Immortality is right there for the taking for the Tampa Bay Lightning and it's without and it's just outside their reach. And instead of going out there and complaining about how his players played in the second and third period, thinking the game was over after the first period because they were able to score a goal, thinking that Andre Vasilevsky would just shut it down again like he had so many times before, thinking it was a foregone conclusion that they would tie this series up and be in a good spot. Instead of lamenting, the fact that three defenders couldn't stop Nazem Kadri from going outside, inside, and beating Andre Vasilevsky on a play that he makes that save 90% of the time. Instead of putting the blame and ratcheting up the intensity on his players who have been here before, who have done it before, not once but twice, he makes it all about him. He makes it all about his comments. He makes the story out of Game 4. Not that the Stanley Cup champions are one loss away from losing. Not that Tampa, who has a grasp in their sight of immortality in the record books when it comes to the National Hockey League, is seeing the series slip away. Well, they got robbed. They shouldn't have lost that game. They got robbed. That was too many men. Colorado, they're benefiting from something that shouldn't have even happened. Every single storyline that would have been anti-Tampa, positive Colorado was switched and changed and pushed in the direction of John Cooper calls out league should not have been a goal. It's brilliant because what it does is it takes all the pressure off of Tampa. Because even if they lose this series, even if they lose this series tomorrow in Game 5, or they lose in Game 6, or they push it to a Game 7, and they lose it there. Because John Cooper planted this seed, there are always going to be people that will doubt 
the legitimacy of this championship. There are always going to be people that are going to look at Game 4 and they are going to say that the Tampa Bay Lightning got hosed. That they were robbed of an opportunity to win. As if it would be a foregone conclusion that they'd win if they continued to play. I don't think they would have. I don't think it matters. But, John Cooper is brilliant. He takes all the heat off of his players. He puts everything on himself. And are you at all surprised that the storylines coming out of Game 4, one of the more entertaining games of the Stanley Cup Final, a game that saw the Colorado Avalanche dig incredibly deep to get themselves back in the game and find a victory, no one's talking about the Avalanche. No one's giving them any credit for going into Tampa and winning one of two. No one's giving them any credit for being up three games to one in the series. It's brilliant stuff from John Cooper. It's got to piss off the Lightning, or I'm sorry, the, the Avalanche so much that they are right there, one win away. They have gone through this playoffs dominant as ever. And they're not the storyline. It's Tampa Bay getting screwed. That's brilliant stuff from John Cooper. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things that if Tampa does end up losing the series, and, and I do believe they are going to lose the series, because it's not it's not so much that they're down three games to one. I just think it's abundantly clear Colorado is a better team. Yeah. From, from, from top to bottom, maybe outside of goal, Colorado is a better team. They're better on the blue line. I think their top their, their their top line is better, or they're 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 just a better team, and I think it, it, it's kind of funny because as you were talking about plant, you know the way that the the talk is about the call or the missed call or the six men on the ice or whatever. As a fan base, you're not going to remember the goal. Well, uh, if, if you're if you're a Lightning fan, you're going to remember that. It's not going to you, you're going to lose a series, and in your mind, you're saying we lost that series because mm-hmm. of that one call. It's not much yeah. different than the fact that we still talk four years later, three years later, about the San Jose Game Seven game. Mm-hmm. Had San Jose gone on to win the Stanley Cup that year? Oh boy. The amount of people that would have discounted their title, not just be, not just because of the call that they got in 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 Vegas or against Vegas, but the hand pass goal that was allowed, mm-hmm. there there would have been a, a, a ton of people discounting that team's legitimacy. I don't think I don't think Joe Pavelski or Joe Thornton would have cared, but I think. It kind of eats at the fan base a little bit when you discount the the way that teams win a championship, and I think for Colorado and and their fans, I think it's going to eat at them a little bit that people are going to discredit the, the, what what their accomplishment was because the refs did blow the call. I mean, there there's mm-hmm. no there's no way around it. They got it wrong. But so I I, I I like the way Cooper's doing this because what it does is it takes the pressure off of his team facing an elimination game mm-hmm. tomorrow night. It's basically saying, hey, you know what, guys? We were screwed. So mm-hmm. at this point, if we lose, we're, we lost because we got screwed. Yeah. There's no which, pressure tomorrow night. Which in and of itself is ridiculous because, like, 
they have not been the better team in the series, but that that's fine. Like, however you want to position it, however John Cooper is trying to rally his troops, like I, I'm I'm with it. I think it's brilliant. It's great gamesmanship. Well done. It's done and over with, right? Like it, it, you you can't change it. It is what it is. Unfortunately, it was the wrong call. Unfortunately, it was a blown situation in the most pressure-packed and, and high-profile series of the year. That being said, please, 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 I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want every single play, every single goal reviewed. I don't. You have to accept a certain degree of mistakes when you have humans judging things in a fast-paced sport. You have to live with some of the mistakes. Not everything can be remedied or solved or fixed by going to review. So I know it stings. Like I know that Lightning fans are going to be very sour about this if they end up losing the series. But let's not get so crazy that we start to think that every single scoring play should be reviewed for something because that's just not the direction you want to go. No, you you shouldn't do that. I don't I don't believe that every scoring play should be reviewed. The NFL doesn't, and it's dumb. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if it's controversial, then review it. If it's if 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 the guy might have stepped out of bounds five yards downfield, then review it. But you you for for. A, a regular catch. Oh, we have to make sure that this guy. I I I have seen some ridiculous things called back in the NFL because something gets reviewed that shouldn't have been reviewed to begin with, and they find a, some some other like unless in in soccer the rule is clear and obvious, and it, it works most of the time. If it's a clear and obvious mistake, it should be reviewed. I don't know how you would, in theory, review. Too many men on the ice because I think you never really know who's coming on for who. Like mm-hmm. you, you find out later that McKinnon was the one going off the ice for Kadri, but at the time it's happening, you, you as you said, I think a lot of people thought it was Nachuskin. So yeah. you, you you can't uncall or or call a penalty based on intent. I think you if you're going to do it, it has to be something that's that's concrete and legit. Intent is not a penalty in my book. So I don't like the idea of everything being reviewed. Look, there's coach challenges for a reason, and maybe certain things should be expanded. But I, I to me, I, I just don't like the idea. It takes too long. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. Look, we, we have to entrust the officials on the ice, on the field, on the basketball court, that they're going to make the right call. And mistakes are part of the game. Human error is part of the game. There was a baseball pitcher who had a no-hitter or a perfect game. The, the ump made a mistake, blew the call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the record books, it says that he he gave up one hit. Everybody knows that it should have been a perfect game. But human error is part of the game. And I felt so bad for that umpire for getting it wrong because he he got death threats and there was all sorts of nasty stuff sent his way. The guy made a mistake. It happens. I make yeah. mistakes. Everybody out there listening makes mistakes. It's a part of life. Sports is part of life. It, it, it's it's not life and death. It's a mistake. It happens. It's not I, I, I firmly believe that 
even if they call that, I still don't think Colorado loses that game. They were the better team. Yeah, and and that's really what it boils down to for me. Does it suck that it it it, it it's got some attached controversy? Yes, but the Colorado Avalanche were inevitable in that game. I don't think even if that's reversed, even if Tampa goes on the power play, uh, they've been terrible on the power play in this series. By the way, uh, I don't think Colorado loses that game. They were the far and away the better team. It wasn't even particularly close, and they have the benefit of a 3-1 series lead with an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup tomorrow night in Denver. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a potential a potential contract extension for Riley Smith. All that right here on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk over this, but I know I have to. Thanks, Chapman, for bringing the Aquabats fire tunes to the VGK Insider Show on a Thursday. Um, I feel like we've got too many men out of our system, right? Like, I don't feel we have to dig any deeper into this at all. Like, everything that we said about too many men on the ice, whether or not Colorado, uh, that goal should have stood, and John Cooper trying to to have that gamesmanship i think that we're done with it we put a bow on it it's probably the last we're going to talk about it going into game number five of the stanley cup final but let's shift focus a little bit here to some golden knights news and i i i struggle to use the word news Uh, maybe i'll throw air quotes on it because it's it's a report out there that there's a verbal agreement between Riley Smith and the Vegas Golden Knights on a contract extension. This comes from Frank Cervelli of Daily Faceoff. He says that Smith and the Golden Knights have reached a verbal agreement. It may not be immediately announced for off-season cap considerations, what, what have you, um, and that the deal is purported to be three years five million dollars average annual value so number one i i will we'll take the idea that riley smith will come back for the golden knights first then we'll get into the term and and, and the money the, the dollars and cents but upon seeing this today chapman like what were your initial impressions initial thoughts my initial thought was i'm a bit surprised that riley did not test the open waters of free agency the fact that he would verbally, reportedly, reportedly verbally agree to a contract before the free agency period began tells me a couple of things. Riley Smith really, really wanted to stay in Vegas. And I think he was willing to do that, especially considering he set up. He, this is the, the, the place in his career where he's had the most success. Mm-hmm. His, his, By all accounts, his family really likes it here. He's got two great line mates that he's been playing with now for this will be year six that he'll play with Marsha So and Carlson. And those guys are very, very close off the ice as well. If you if you've seen the the, the pictures where, you know, him, Carlson, Marsha So, they're they're great friends off the ice. 
So I think I think it says that Riley really, really wanted to stay with the Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. I am surprised that that he did not at least test the waters just to see what his value was from from other from other teams because I I, I think at this stage in his career he's thirty one. You're going to sign. This is probably the last. I don't want to say contract because I mean he, uh, he, the way he plays, it, he, it won't be it. It won't be the last contract that he signs. Like it, it might be the last opportunity for at, him to at cash a longer in. term or yeah. bigger money contract. But like you know, you, let's just take a look at the last two years for Riley Smith. Fifty-three games in twenty twenty-one had fourteen goals, twenty-five points. Uh, last year, uh, injuries were certainly a factor. But if not for the injuries, Riley Smith would have hit twenty goals for sure. He had sixteen goals, thirty-eight points in fifty-six games. So it was a, a I don't want to say bounce back year because Riley's been fairly consistent 20 goal scorer for the Golden Knights with the exception of the shortened season in 2021. I I think that there's a market value on Riley Smith that's five and a half to six million dollars in in unrestricted free agency. So the fact that it's reportedly the same AAV from his last contract has to be considered a win for the Golden Knights. I know this team is cash strapped. I know that you probably wanted that number to get a little bit lower than what it was before, but I think the fact that you're not committing to anything longer than three years is probably the most important aspect of this. Yeah, I think what we've learned about this team is they they gave out a contract to a guy once where it was a like a legacy contract. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're not in the market of doing that. They, they did that once and it ended up, I think hurting them in the long run. I think people probably can guess who I'm talking about and where I'm going with that. Sure. But yeah, I don't really feel like that's, that's the type of contract that we're seeing here with Riley Smith, where this is a career. This is a thank you for what you've done for this franchise contract. Like I, I don't see that with, with this. The fact that he he didn't take a a pay cut and the fact that they didn't have to pay him more, I think it's a win for him because Mm -hmm. he gets to stay here. He doesn't have to move. He doesn't have to go play with a new team. He doesn't have to go find a new house or any of that stuff. So it's a a good thing for him. I'm sure maybe he would have liked to have gotten a little bit more, but I'm sure the Golden Knights would have liked to have saved a little bit more too. So I think in that that regard, it, it probably evens out. Look, if it turns out that this is the case, three years at $5 million, it's a good contract for Riley at 31 years old to get the same contract that you had when, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, let me see how old he was when he signed it. I think it was a five-year deal. So for him to get the same contract that, that he got when he when he was, um, how old was he when he signed it? 2017, 18? So we're talking five years ago. So he was, he was what, 26 at the time? So to be able to, to to stay at the same term and or not term but same salary, it's a good that's a good deal for him. But like I like I said, I'm a bit surprised that he didn't at least, and maybe he did, right? He's acting as his own agent, so maybe he had an idea of what his market was. He's obviously a, a really intelligent guy, and you can see it on the ice. You can see it when you speak with him. He's a guy who has a high knowledge of the game, and he's a guy who's very very. He told us when he was in here. His mom and dad were both teachers. So he's probably a guy who has a pretty good understanding of, of how these things work because I'm sure he he he's a very, very smart guy. Maybe he knew what his value was. And maybe it wasn't what 
you and I think it was. And maybe he heard some numbers and he was like, you know what? These guys are going to give me five. I'm going to stay here. Because maybe he wasn't going to get five from some of the teams that, that maybe were interested in signing him. So the the biggest question that I have, and, and we talked about it after the Dodonov trade, is you free up money and you have a couple of intriguing decisions. You have certainly, can you get Riley Smith back under contract? It reportedly appears that the Golden Knights have been able to do that or are inching closer to getting that done. Once pens to paper, we'll kind of rehash this and get a little bit deeper into it with what it means, all that. But you still have restricted free agents that you need to sign. Nick Waugh is going to be the most costly. Then you've got Nick Haig, Keegan Colasar, and Brett Howden. The question becomes for the Golden Knights, how much money do you need to get those four done, right? And in fairness, in fairness, like if you believe you can get Waugh, Haig, Colasar, and Howden done for $5 million, all of them, if you believe you can do that, I don't think you can. I think you need more than that. But if you think you can and Robin Leonard is unavailable to start the year, meaning Robin Leonard cannot go first two months of the season, whatever, because he's still rehabbing, then you could probably get away with just the Dodonov trade, signing your free your restricted free agents, and going the LTIR route with Robin Leonard at the beginning of the season. I don't feel like that's the best course of action for the Golden Knights. It's certainly the course of action that allows you to bring most of this team back, but I think that there needs to be one more tough decision. I think that there needs to be one more, you know what, we're drawing a line in the sand. We're trying to create some flexibility here with our salary cap. We're trying to do right by the restricted free agents that we have within our organization that we think are going to take us to the next level. And we have to be smart about how we manage the cap from here on out in the regular season. So for that, I think that there needs to be one more move this offseason that frees up cap, that allows them to, to utilize and sign their restricted free agents without having to dip into LTIR. What say you, Chapman? Well, I think there's a couple of of, of players that maybe you look at um, as far as potential trade pieces. I think the first one I look at, and and it doesn't free up a ton of money, but I look mm-hmm. at Loren Brossois, and he's making two point three million. He's got one year left on his deal. You know sure. what you you know Logan Thompson it, it can play in the NHL, but I would say the idea of moving Loren Brossois strongly depends on the health of Robin Leonard. If he's not yeah. going to be available to start the season, I don't think it's it's a, it's a bright idea to trade Loren Brossois because you're going to want an NHL player, and Logan Thompson is that. But I don't know if you want to go into the year with Yuri Patera. Who, who played well for, for the Henderson Silver Knights, but I don't think Yuri Patera is ready to play in the NHL. I don't think you want him to be your number two going I'll, in. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. Given what's at stake for the Golden Knights next season, there's no way you're doing that. Yeah. So, so, so there's no way you're a doing lot that. Of that. A lot of that would depend on the health of Robin Leonard. Now, of course, if he's not healthy, then you do have the LTIR option. But again, as you said, you probably don't want to do that. Then you get to to a guy like Nolan Patrick. Again, not a lot of salary to shed here, but I, I, I don't know if you'd even be able to to move him. Like, I don't know if there'd be a team that would be interested in taking a flyer on him. No pun intended. Um so 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 that if, if you're able to move those two guys, that frees up 
three and a half million. I I don't think that's mm-hmm. enough. So you're going to have to look at making a very very difficult decision. And some of the names that I've seen thrown out there would not make the fans happy. It, I I think it could be along the lines of of a, of what happened with Nate Schmidt, what happened with with. Mark Andre Fleury, where a fan favorite is moved, and it could end up being William Carlson or Alec Martinez. Those are the two names that that I've seen thrown out the most, and I don't know. Again, I don't know what the market is for those two guys because I think a lot of people might look at William Carlson's contract and say, "Well, based on what he's making, he, he's underproduced." So if I'm a GM, I don't know if I'm giving up a ton for William Carlson. And I don't know if if you're giving up a ton for Alec Martinez either. So there are some really really difficult decisions that need to be made. I don't I I think this team you you want to have obviously the best bottom six you could possibly have, and I think in order to sure. do that you you need to have like having Nick Waugh and Brett Howden I think are imperative because I think we saw that those two guys especially right before Brett Howden got hurt Brett Howden's a good player. Brett Howden's a former first-round pick. He's a guy who who proved last year that he can play. I think you want him around. And Nick Waugh, I mean, he just gets better every year. The other two guys, Kolasar, I think Kolasar really came on at the end of the season. Like, he 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 was a guy who I was critical of. And he, he showed me a lot at the end of the season that he's an NHL player. Not only not only the, his, his ability to start putting the puck in the net, but the fact that he was always the guy who was sticking up for his teammate. I think you like having a guy like that on your roster. I think Keegan Colasar has turned into a pretty good player. And that leaves Nick Haig. You're not going to give up on Nick Haig. So you, you, well, no, 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 no. It, it, it's not about giving up on these players. It's about you need to come to an idea of how much those guys are going to cost you. And that's where it gets Nick tough. Waugh, Nick Haig, Nick Waugh, Nick Haig, Keegan Colasar, and Brett Howden, I firmly believe are part of this Golden Knights team that you want to see over the next couple of years. So it's all going to come down to what are the dollars and cents needed to get those deals done. I think Nick Waugh is going to be the most lucrative of the contracts. If you can get it done for two and a half, three million dollars million, depending on how much term you go, I, I think that that's kind of the, the, the ballpark you're looking at. Nick Haig's probably somewhere in the two to two and a half million. Keegan Colasar is one and a half million a stretch, maybe, but I, I feel like that's kind of the direction you're going. And then Brett Howden, a million dollars, it's a raise, it's an upgrade from what he was last year, but it's probably what you're going to have to do. So I think the tough reality right here for the Golden Knights is that you've got four restricted free agents that are likely going to be somewhere in the ballpark of seven to eight million dollars and if you don't want to dip into LTIR you're going to do it with Shea Weber I get it I understand that but if you don't want to put Robin Leonard in that spot or Robin Leonard is healthy ready to go for game one of next season then you're going to have to get creative and make a tough decision and I think that that's really what is necessary for the Golden Knights this offseason to me Moving on from Pete DeBoer, bringing in Bruce Cassidy, and talking about a reset only works if you're willing to also make the tough decisions that you need to make to set yourself up to have an easier time with the salary cap next year. That's why I still believe there's going to be another move, and I do think that the Golden Knights are going to be looking at a more 
macro view of the salary cap in relation to their window of contention. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get to the play of the day. I wonder if you can guess which play it'll be. All of that before hour number two of the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. No chance to shoot for Stevenson. Centered. Eichel scores! It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Not without controversy, our play of the day comes courtesy of Nazem Kadri getting the game winner to push the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to within one game of elimination. The other way, Lekkonen just off the bench. Quickly ahead, Nazem Kadri inside the circle. Kadri! Where's the puck? How did that not go in? It did. It did go in. It did? It did. We it did! He scores! Nazem Kadri! Yeah. The Kadri man can! I didn't see it, but they did! I don't believe it! Kadri into the lineup, he gets the overtime winner! And you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here because this party is over! Kadri with a move towards the net. Nobody in the world, including yours truly, knew that it went in. Underneath the arm of Vasilevsky. Oh, yeah. It sticks in the top it, of the net. That's what It happened. sticks in the top of the net. It's top shelf. The Avalanche will go back to the Mile High City with a chance to win their third Stanley Cup. Unbelievable call. Um, you know, frankly, because it, it, it just gives an idea of how strange the play was. Andre Vasilevsky does get a piece of the puck, but it, it's lodged up in the back bar of the net. That's why no one knew where it was. Uh, but fortunately for the Colorado Avalanche, it hit the back of the net. It's a 3-1 series lead by virtue of a 3-2 overtime victory in game number four. And the Colorado Avalanche have a chance to close it out tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. We will be here, ready to go, getting you set for game number five of the Stanley Cup Final. We're back with hour number two of the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.